court, just loving it. Scored 62 in a high school game, he must think he's back in Boston. He's got to look like he's in total control. For the tie. Tipped out, Mills, for the lead. They've been waiting on it. That's his first basket of the tournament. Michael. Happy New Year, my friend. Same to you. When do you stop saying Happy New Year to people? Like, when's your cutoff date? I'm, I'm bad about saying it on the first. I don't I don't like the traditions we do. I mean, even like Susan and I were talking the other day. She said, we were thinking about, okay, Christmas is over. January is always awful because it's gray and cold, but there's nothing to look forward to. And then she even brought up Valentine's Day and then immediately thought, yeah, nobody looks forward to Valentine's Day. I mean, you know, we're still hope. Sorry, babe. We're still hopelessly in love. And we're not looking forward to Valentine's Day because it's just it's it's tradition for the sake of tradition. And so I don't know. I I, I would say that by the second, maybe. OK, yeah, okay so here's the thing. But what about the people you haven't seen? Right. So if I have a conversation with a work colleague that I talk to maybe once a week or once every two weeks, I got to give that person 14 days. Ooh. I think that's how it works. Well, because it, I've not wished this person a happy new year in the in the new year. So if you and I haven't talked in 364 days, then on December 31st, I have to say to you happy new year, and then I'll say it again the next day. We haven't podcasted in like four years. Do you remember where the last podcast yes. was? Where it was? Well, you're not in your old apartment anymore, right? On I am not. Okay, so uh, that's where it was. Very and good. I kind of think it was. Um, who who was it in the part? Because I, we sat there for <laughs> we we all sat on the couch. Yes. And um, it was there were two other people there, uh, mm-hmm. maybe three. Uh, yes, but three. I forgotten who, I've forgotten who they were. Jen, Simba, and Julia. Come on, Cameron. Uh, Simba. Simba's the one I was I, I couldn't think of. I, I, I assumed Julia was there, but uh, yes, yeah, Simba. So you still talk to Simba all the time. Okay, perfect. Are you, are you still going to like um, uh, Dempsey's and hang out with the alumni? So not really. That kind of okay. – I wasn't involved in it, but there was drama going on with all different people there. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, and the owner, you know, end of the owner, he yeah. actually moved two, two bars down to Legends Bar. So I've been going there a lot more now. Oh, okay. I got you. It's an LSU bar though, so be, it's a little weird. To be fair, you're not, a, you're not an alumni anyway, so. I, I'm not, and you, I would go there. You were grandfathered in by us. Yes, and I would go there for the atmosphere. But then when I heard there was drama and – I went there one time, Cam, and it was like half the group was on one side, half was on the other side. I said, you know what? I, I think it's time for me to uh, to call it quits here. The moment you start putting, getting groups together and having elections of leaders, I mean there's instantly going to be just – teams are going to split, and all of a sudden we've got a, we've got division in something that I thought was pretty united. I mean that was it was cool coming up there a few years. Mm-hmm. What, we come twice? Yes, you came uh, up twice. And did the show twice or just did the show once? You did the show twice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were really that. fun times. It, well, it, that, those were. I, as a matter of fact, um, I, I, this is funny. I was planning this. So yesterday, we're, Susan and I have been doing some spring cleaning in the house. And by that, I mean she's lived here now a year and a half. And when she moved in, my stuff was already here. So I had I had, I had, had um, gone to every corner and, and planted my flag. And so <laughs> apparently um, with the new year and the time off from work, um, she's, she's decided that – you know, she wants to reorganize, especially her office space, which was my old office space. I've now migrated to the kitchen. Or I'm sorry, the uh, dining room, I guess. And um, so we, we we took a whole bookcase and we're pulling things out and she's reorganizing the books. By the way, uh, I'd say, how many books do you think are in there? I'm saying uh, 300 books, none of which I've read, but it looks good. It's a very impressive bookcase. <laughs> um, and so we pull out in the bottom are the, are the doors and we've got – I've got uh, – board games in there and then a bunch of stuff i've forgotten i had one of which was the picture you dick me uh dick's son johnny uh D-Lo, and adam uh adam took it to the top of the uh, empire state building oh that was I a great picture i've seen them forever and um and so uh i also just pulled it out the other day and she showed it to susan she goes who are these people i'm like well and then actually she she got, she got most of them pretty quick after she even said that that was a great picture, top of the Empire State Building on that uh, Christmas night. Oh, it was beautiful. Was it Christmas night? No, it, it was Christmas night. week. It was it was near Christmas, Christmas time. Week, yeah, it was the week yeah. before. That's right. Yeah. So you keep mentioning this uh, 
person sues and you completely yeah, outkicked your coverage. About her. Yeah, well, congratulations. And I always yeah. say this, and, and this isn't blowing smoke, Cam. You're the nicest person I've ever met in my life, and you were like the yeah, only dude who <laughs> the only dude who I would like legit allow to date my mom. Like you're the nicest. You're too nice. So yeah, tell me about tell me about Susan, man. Your mom, and I, your mom and I have something to tell you. Yes. <laughs> um, so um, Susan and I. Uh, met through a mutual friend. So uh, actually two mutual friends who were determined after, um, I guess we had both entered their lives uh, as, as, as our friendships with them started, they decided, well, we were just perfect for each other. And the moment you hear someone say that, especially for me, when it's two women are telling me that they have another woman who is perfect for me. Look, I'm, I'm, I would be skeptical if my mom told me that, and I was skeptical of everyone. My mom said, "You know who you should date. You know who you should call. You know," um, because I, I just I, I don't know who's perfect for me. How do you know? I know me better than anyone other than maybe my mom. And there's no way you know. And not only were they um, persistent, they were awkwardly and and irritatingly persistent, and um, to the point where. At, it, 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 I won't go into too many details, but at Susan's, now we're, we're not dating at the time, but we went to a nice restaurant downtown here in Lexington, Lexington called Dudley's, and it's there's eight of us around the table, and we're, we're there to celebrate Susan's birthday. And I had um, made a couple of mistakes um, early on. I did not, apparently it's my custom to, when I go to a birthday dinner, I bring flowers for the birthday person, if, if it's a woman. I think I've done that once. Okay. Um, in Susan's mind, it was something I always did. So when I showed up that night without flowers for her, we were friends. That's all we were. But, you know, so that was faux pas number one. Um, number two is I had actually forgotten that we were all celebrating her birthday that night, so I didn't bring anything. Um, so I wound up buying her dinner. And then so we've ordered our appetizers, I think, have come. And one of the girls who was desperately trying to force Susan and I together decides she's going to awkwardly and very publicly try something right now. So she – Ding, ding, ding. She wants to say something about Susan. So she goes, um, I just think it'd be a great idea. Let's go around the table. And everyone, I was thinking about how bad this would be, Mike. I mean, okay. of all the things that she could have picked to say, let's share our favorite thing about this person, right? We could talk about our favorite, you know, what, what's the thing that most surprised you about Susan? Anything like that. This is what she, this, a woman picked this. She said, what is your favorite part of Susan's body? Oof. And I mean, I locked up quick. Of course you did. Well, I mean, well, first of all, every man there, there's no right answer, right? Because the smile is probably the best answer. Well, see, there's there's maybe two, right? And and fortunately, the other girl who had teamed up with this girl to to get Susan out together, she went first, and so she immediately went to her eyes. Well, ding, ding, ding. So I got to piggyback on that. Yeah, her eyes. Her eyes are amazing. Her Mm -hmm. eyes actually are amazing. Um, I ha- probably hadn't looked that closely at them at that point, um, but turns out they are. So, um, but what what woman thinks? You know what? You know what will kickstart this relationship? Let's put the man in the position of commenting on this woman's body that we're trying to get together. That I mean, basically, they did everything to force us away because we just finally got to the point where Susan, um, we knew what they were doing, and so Susan texted me one night or called me or whatever and said, "Look, if we don't get." Just go get coffee without these bozos. We're gonna hate each other because they made everything so awkward and it was just it was it was so forced. And so she um, she said, "Let's go get coffee." I actually um, trumped her and said, "Let's go have dinner." Right? Ooh, so okay. I think I still I think I still felt guilty for not um, remembering it was her birthday because this was a week later. Now, and, now let me uh, let me let me actually during this courting, Cameron, was there a moment you like? I knew this was the one. Be honest. Well, so for, I'm going to say six weeks, eight weeks, I was pretty, you know, I, I don't think I was even considering her, even though I was continuously being told, Cameron, she's perfect for you. So, okay. um, here's what I will say. So that night that we were like, she says coffee. I said, let's go have dinner. We go to two places, uh, neither of which we can ever go to again. So this, this was what I count as our first date. Okay. Um, Susan doesn't because she said it wasn't supposed to be a date i say it doesn't matter it turned into one meaning it, it was supposed to be coffee and it turned into a five-hour marathon of conversation that spanned two different um two different venues we started at some korean barbecue place downtown on campus at uk that is now closed and then so we closed that down because it closed earlier something weird 
And then we walked over to uh, Two Keys. And the last time I'd been in Two Keys was actually with you. Oh, yeah. And all the guys the last time you were in town. And so we go to Two Keys. And, I mean, school's in session. It was a Friday night, I think. Okay. And um, But there's nobody there. And so when we wound up, I think we were there till midnight or something. So wow. it, it wound up being just – and for the first three hours at Two Keys, there were no kids there. So we, we were able to talk. Eventually, they started rolling in and drinking and uh, playing the games. But that night – I think both of us thought, okay, there actually might be something here. I think what she tells me is she goes, you know, you're, that night she said, she's told me since you, you, you turned out to not be the jerk I thought you were. Why would you, and I mean this because you don't come off of that ever. You never come well, off like a player. Where would the jerk part come? Well, so, so think about this. The way you and I talk to each other, right? Oh, the sarcasm? Yes. Okay, that, okay, okay. I don't do a good job of playing that off as I might possibly be being sarcastic here because I, I don't see the point in that. If I'm going to be sarcastic, I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to straight face it. And so Susan um, apparently just thought a lot of times when I was being silly, okay. I was being serious. Okay. Okay. Um, and um, so she said that night, she goes, yeah, he's not, he's not a rear end. Um, <laughs> so, but I think um, as far as like, when did I know? I don't know. There were, there were several moments along the courting, as you say, where, I, I got. I kept getting more and more excited um, about her and about that. There's just because I'd never. I don't know. I guess this is cliche, but I never dated anybody like her. Um, and I guess that. I mean, that's the one you want to marry. The girl that stands out amongst every person you've ever been with or talked to or seen. No. Um, so, but you're right. I completely. I kicked my coverage. I'm told that by everybody. And I yeah, you did. Argue. Now, be honest. Be honest with me. The best part about marriage and the worst part, because there's always a both. Like I am still in the honeymoon phase. I've been married two, two and a half years. I yeah. wake up every morning thanking God that this girl is next to me. Give me the yeah. best and the worst part about marriage. Oh, God. Mike, we, I thought we were going to talk UK basketball, okay? We're going to. I know we are, but but again, I, the, the, the pressure of talking to you about this and knowing that Susan's about 25 feet away. That's okay. Um, Let me know. The best part about marriage and the worst part. The best part, part about marriage um, – that's hard because there have been so many, and that's been a surprise. I, I'd always been told because I went through a marriage and early on, I want to say my career in my in my, but after college I got married and it wasn't good, mm-hmm. and um, and then I went what twenty almost twenty years, and it wasn't that I was opposed to marry, being married. It wasn't that I didn't date. It was that yeah, I was kind of fifty fifty on the on the the whole idea, um, but I kept being told by people who had very good marriages and you could tell right that you know good marriages it's possible to have one in 2021 or 2020 i mean it's it's um because i think when i went through my divorce and then the years after that all my friends that had gotten married when i did they were all going through seven year itch type stuff Mm -hmm. and people that i thought were rock solid started to struggle so um but it, it is good. When it's good, it's good. And I didn't think it could be this. Yeah, good. you're so, avoiding the question. Best and worst part of marriage. I'm, I'm, try, I'm, try, I'm trying to. It's, that's the hard part. Is the best is the um is the answer the best? Um, I don't know. You're, you're, this is what I say to her a lot, and she says it to me. It's fun doing life with her. So oh, that's, there, that's fun. Okay. Yesterday we went out and we got what ten inches of snow here yesterday, and um we went out with uh with Alex, uh my stepson and. Played the snow and sledded and, and took Henry the dog and I mean we just with my family right I mean that's that's the that's the part that I'm like wow yeah I've got one of those now I didn't have one of those two years ago and I didn't think I wanted one either mm-hmm. and then I get it and it's it's better than you can imagine so the worst part um, because the worst part is sometimes is that person so close to you but they'll tell you. Um, because they love you so much, especially this one does, and I've asked her for it, and she does me for it too. I want to know when I'm messing up. Oh, yeah, same exact thing. We don't do that with people. We say we do it to friends, like if you really love someone, but we don't. And it's difficult to hear too because you respect and love them so much, and they come out with, I'm like, hey, let me know what I'm doing wrong. And she's like, okay, you're this. I'm like, oh. And then you have to take self inventory. That's (laughs) tough. So I won't go into details, but the other day um, we're laying in bed and we're getting ready to go to sleep, and um, and she asked a question, and the question she asked um, had a, a a statement included in just the question. Okay. And the statement was was basically, if a man, another man, was being disrespectful to me, would you defend me? 
Oh, okay. So I had some follow-ups for her um, because she, that's not the question she asked um, at all. I mean, she she asked the she made a statement, and in that statement, that question was kind of implied. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started getting like, why? First of all, who are these guys? Um, yeah. Are they armed? Um, I mean, what, what's I need details here. Do I have to bring my crew down with me? Let yeah, me know. Um, and then and then that turned into, um, you know, I, I had to cautiously answer because look. I'm not a violent person. I, I seek peace. And um, but she just she just kind of was going through this thing where she was wanting to know if you know if I would step up and say, all right, it's time to stop now. And and that's really I think all she all she wanted. And so I kind of took that and sulked. I didn't sleep. I sulked sulked all night because I felt like what she was saying is I don't think you would. And um, so it was. But what I love about it is I got my feelings hurt, but she didn't hurt my feelings. I, the, my instant thought was, do I need to make a change in something? Do I need to make – because if my wife doesn't think – Yeah, she, that, that should be implied, Cam. That should be implied yeah, like – I'm well aware. Yeah. So, yeah, that – but the point is is that that was good. That was even good. I mean so it hurt to feel to feel like she was worried about something. But even – but I know that now, right? And she loves me enough to be honest, honest with me about it, and those are the best relationships. Last marriage question, last silly fight that you had. Last night, um, Susan can cook, and when I say cook, I mean she worked with Wolfgang Puck. She worked with Bobby Flay. She worked with – I mean she has, she knows what she's doing, and she will get in the kitchen, and she, I thought I could cook. Turns out what I can do is I can grill hamburgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she can actually like, create something and get into the spice and herbs and come up with something that's just – and it's wonderful. Um, last night, we, we, she decided she wanted to make lasagna. And so I was sent to the store for a few key ingredients, one of which – two, two actually. I um, had to get some ricotta and had to get some mozzarella. Well, okay. I came back with only the ricotta. Oh, boy. And um, so – and I put it in the fridge, and so she started making it, and then she forgot to put the ricotta on. And so as soon as she realized she had all the layers done, and she was like – she was getting upset at herself, and she was trying to decide, okay, can I – is there any way I can lift these layers up and stick the kind of stuff? Maybe put it in the oven. Let's eat. I mean, what, yeah, yeah. it's going to be great. So we didn't fight, but it was this back and forth of she's she was beating on herself over. And I'm like, well, I, I don't know that I'm going to be able to taste the ricotta anyway. What are you worried about? We've got the noodles. We've got the beef. We've got the sausage. We've got the, the marinara. We've got the. We did wind up with some mozzarella. What is going to be the problem? What's going to come out? And she just said, I just, I just I just can't believe I did that. So it was just this fight of stop. Stop beating yourself up. This is this is this. so it was silly of she's sitting there thinking I made a mistake, which I do the same stuff to myself. And I'm sitting there thinking, You're too hard on yourself. And by the way, what came out of the oven was absolutely perfect. I love Kentucky girls because unlike New York girls, they're legit sports fans. Like you can go on Twitter <laughs> and no no, I mean this, Cam, when you came up here, we went to the bar for like Sunday yeah. football at Croxley's. Yes. yes. And I did. said my biggest like thing I hated about it was like every girl went there in heels and the belly like Bronco shirts. Like you're not really a fan of the Broncos. Like, <laughs> but Kentucky girls are legit. They're like, did you watch the high school game? Was Susan a fan of Kentucky basketball? Yes. Yes, she was. Um, I've, I've got a We found a picture the other day of her and her um, roommates because she was at UK the same time I was. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's only a year year younger than me, and so um, when I was at Wildcat Lodge for four years, she was. Well, her freshman year, she was over at the um, – and I don't know if you'll be – you might – Mike, Blanding and Kerwin Towers, which were okay. the, big, the two big towers down on campus that are no longer there. And so she was over there in that part of campus. And um, But uh, so we, we were we were there together. I, I, what was your question? Yeah, I know I'm going to do this three or four times, but what, what was – It's okay. I'll, I'll keep you oh, in was check. She a fan? Yeah, yeah. Was she a fan of Kentucky basketball? She was a fan of Kentucky basketball. Um, one of the things I think on our first date that she, when she said, you know, you're not the rear end I expected you to be. One of the things that led her to that is we went five, five hours in a conversation and we didn't talk about Kentucky basketball once. I didn't sit there and give her my stats, which I would, I don't think I'd ever do anyway, but I guess she kind of expected that because I was a ball player and ball players yeah. can talk about. The of ball. course. Yeah. Um, but so she's not, and you and I have this conversation all the time because I'm not really a fan. I mean, it's. I love them. I, yeah. I, that's my team, and I want them to win. I'm not going to, to kick and get all pissy like you do when they lose. Yeah, right. Let me ask you a question. Made. 
So she doesn't make you dress up in your old uniform and walk in with the Converse jean uh, short outfit on? I don't fit in my old uniform anymore, uh, but she has never asked for that. We've, we've not done any role playing with me and okay. my uniform and her and her um, trying to think what would be the equivalent. Chef outfit? Do. Does she work for the chefs? No, well, no, she, she, um, she, she, I, I don't think I've ever met anyone that's had more jobs than she has. She was at, I think she was at Foot Locker in college, but, um, she's been in uh, media sales for, I think more consistently than anything. And that's what she's doing now. But, um, she, I mean, we, we don't, first of all, we don't get live TV. We don't have ESPN. Oh, me either. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, how do you watch the games? You get it I, through. Yeah. I, I use the illegal forms to oh, watch it. It's interesting that you would admit that. Um, so, uh, well, I don't know how to do that. Um, I did when, um, uh, when, uh, what was the app that you could download all the songs about 15 years ago? Napster. Napster. I, oh I did God. figure out Napster back in the day. I had, a, I had a quite a collection of illegal downloads. Um, but I don't know how to do that. So we just go without, or we, I follow on, um, but, th- but to do that, I've got to realize there's a game tonight. Yeah. And I, I don't know the schedule. Um, I've got season tickets, and, and I, I give them away. I just don't know the schedule. We uh, played two nights ago. It was the LSU game. We played tonight, mm-hmm. I'm told. Um, and um, I might check in on Twitter. I might check in on the ESPN app. But um, chances are we're, we'll just get a halftime score and a game-ending score. Okay. So, S- speaking of the old uniform, this past week had to bring back memories. Mm-hmm. Coach Tubby Smith comes back to the Commonwealth. The first thing Coach says to you is what? Exactly what you said about my wife, because we I, that was one of the coolest parts of him coming back is I got to introduce him to Susan. Right. I, and I think what I said on Twitter when I put my post up, the most important person in my life, I got to introduce to one of the other most important people in my life, which was Tubby. And first thing out of his mouth is he kind of he looked at her and gave her a hug. And, and they, so I've got a great picture of them hugging. And then he looks back at me. And he, goes, <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you always overachieved, didn't you? And it's. That's just that's kind of the thing guys will do to each other. Of course. But I get a sense that everybody means it and they should. Because I did. Oh, no, they do. They do. Like when I, I showed I, picture of you and Susan to um to Julia, my wife, she's like, oh, my God, that girl's so hot. Like it's yeah. never like Cam looks good when the yeah, scene's like, oh, my God, Susan's hot. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, too. She's not just beautiful. No, she's legitimately like hot. I mean, she is like she's like. Well, I can't. I can't say the things I hear that I would that I say to her. But I'm, it's just, just and she's like she was. I made it 44. She's 44 years old, and she's she's she looks like a swimsuit model. I mean, she does. She doesn't think so, and that's what leads to some silly fights sometimes. Well, and you know what? That that's good for guys like me and you. Julie doesn't think she's the hottest girl, which is good for me. It's like good. Let's get that confidence down a little bit, so they think they're in our league. That's the way to play it, Cameron. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you're right because I sit there and think I. I don't deserve her. Everyone's right. She seems to really, really like me at this point. Um, I'm sure I could screw that up. And um, I feel like the most inequality part of our relationship is the physical part. Um, what she looks like, the way I look like. So I'm like, she'd have no problem going out and getting somebody else. So for her to even be available at 44, I mean, I, I, and I, I do it as much now as I did um, you know, a week into our marriage. I'm like, how did I, how did I do this? So that's the first thing Tubby said to me. And, and he, I just like the way everyone says it. And it seems very sincere. And I'm not even trying to argue because I think it all the time. Back to Tubby now. Like I said, I became a fan in 92. 93, you guys played the Fab Five. So I had to like still fake. I was a Kentucky fan. 96, holy crap, we won the title. Right. 90, 97, heartbreak oh, in overtime. Uh, yes, Cameron, it was heartbreak. And then 98, 98 was like the team – you knew they were awesome. Now I was all invested. Everyone knew I was like a fan of Kentucky. Now I'm, I'm doing a personal cam. This is like my thing. Oh, I, I Everyone's like, oh, Mike's a Kentucky guy. He's been talking about the five years. Starter jackets. <laughs> I love the starter jackets. You have no like incoming stud freshman like you do now. Patino's yeah. gone. What does your team yeah. say to each other? The 97 team, it's over. 98, yeah. it's like we have a new coach, Tubby Smith. What's yeah. going through the team's mind? What are you guys talking about? Like, hey, can we run this back? Yeah, I, here's the thing. So we didn't ask that question because it was automatically we had learned because we based on what we had done the year before and what we had done the year before that um, with a national championship and then a national championship game. Well, of course we can do it. We know how to do it. We just did it two years in a row. And um, yeah, we lost some guys to the NBA, but we're, we're Final Four veterans. I mean, we don't even get excited about going to the Final Four. In 98, no, we do. Don't don't mishear that, and I know you won't. But we – what was it the other day? Somebody um, – there's the Georgia 
uh, football coach. He was very clear with his players, do not soak me with the Gatorade. And it wasn't because he didn't, didn't want to get wet. It wasn't because he didn't want to get cold. It was because we are not celebrating a semifinal win. Mm-hmm. And he's absolutely right. I loved him for that. We did not cut the nets down that 98 team. We did not cut the nets down when we beat Duke. But, because why would you? That's not mm-hmm. the end of the tournament. That's two games away from the end of the tournament. So, um, But most teams, they'll cut the nets down uh, when they win the the the, uh, the, or the Elite Eight game to go to the Final Four. We didn't because ah, I've got that net. I got, I got two of them, as a matter of fact. We're leaving that one, and we're going after the bigger fight. So. We just knew how – we knew we could. We knew what to do. Um, the problems, and, and I know you know this, but where when Tubby came in, he was different than Coach Patino. We knew Coach Patino knew how to do it, but – and we know Coach Smith is a great coach, but does he know what he's doing as far as, like, getting us there? And we kind of halfway bought in for the first part of the year. We, we listened to him. We were – I mean – but we didn't fully buy in. And and the moment anybody on the team stops being completely on board with the with the ultimate goal and how we're going to get there, and when you've got a team where a coach and a coaching staff is saying, this is who we are and this is what we're going to do, and you've got some teammates or some players saying, yeah, 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 we hear that, but this is how we did it last year with this other guy, um, and we've been there, you haven't. and. Mm. None of these words were shared, and it was just it was almost even subconsciously. We just weren't fully bought in. So we lose to Ole Miss, and all of a sudden we're 20-4 um, and four and uh, have a team meeting, team, a players-only meeting. And in that meeting, Jeff Shepard stood up and basically said, look, guys, it, we're not fully bought into this concept. We're not fully bought into cubby ball, as they call it now. Um, if we don't, there's no chance we're going to do anything special this year. Well, we can. We're divided. You mentioned Old Miss. I want to go back because I just went and looked at schedule. You guys are ranked high. Yeah. What? You guys are ranked high. 98 schedule. 98 schedule. You lose to number one Arizona, who just beat you in the tournament. Yep. Then you win like you know seven or eight games, and then you lose to unranked Louisville. Those are so the two biggest tests to start the year. What was the unranked Mike? Yeah. Louisville finished that year. Um, was it eight and twenty? Yeah. So you. Some ridiculous, no, 14 and 20, some ridiculous. Do you guys remember now, it's not social media now where it's insane and obnoxious. Yeah. Do you remember any backlash? Like, wait a minute, they can beat the teams that don't matter, but the two tests they lose, or you don't really remember that? Well, no, because the, the thing that we never did, because before Twitter and Facebook and social media, we had the, the local call-in sports radio shows, right? Which were just as bad and toxic as Twitter. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, as a matter of fact, the night we lost to Ole Miss... Um, apparently there was a call to, um, to, uh, the, the WLAP radio, uh, postgame show. And somebody called in and said, we are the worst 20 and four team in the country. And he was serious. He wasn't trying to make a, a point of let's stop and think about the fact we're 20 and four. It was like, we're, we're, yeah, I know we're 20 and four, but we're terrible. We're a terrible 20 and four team. Um, and you know that um, Cameron, you know, that caller was Mike from Staten Island calling in. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, you know what, it probably very easily could have been. No, it couldn't have been because you would have been catatonic. Yes. Not speaking to anyone, throwing mm-hmm. chairs and, and breaking windows for at least right. six hours after that. That's right. So, um, yeah, we didn't, there was, I think what we had learned to do in, is, okay, we lost. We lost Ole Miss, right? And we knew we had to have a players-only a players only conversation. But I don't remember what the fans were saying. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't know about that phone call until – Dick Gabriel and I did the documentary a few years ago, and, and he shared that with me. I was like, oh, that needs to go in. Um, but I didn't even know about that because after a loss especially, why are you going to listen to a call-in radio show? Oh. Where I mean, you know, it's like here when we lose to LSU the other night, and I'm, again, you start hearing this, Cal's terrible coach. I'm like, stop. He's not a terrible coach. He's a national championship co- Hall of Fame coach. So, um, But, yeah, I, we – we just kind of went, and I know it's cliche, one game at a time. You lose, and you're like, okay, yeah, make corrections, make the fixes, now we're on to the next one. See, you're smooth because you know I'm going to bring up the other loss that year. Who was the loss to Cameron, and what happened special in that game, Cameron? I don't know what you're talking about. Cameron, right. it, was the, it was the Florida game. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, Cameron, if I, if, how humble of me to forget. Yes, when I'm um, driving in the car, Cameron, next to you, and you're like, oh, Mike, you're driving 31 miles per hour. Let me tell you something about the number 31, Michael. First of all, that never happened. Um, so, um, yes, yeah, in a loss. Um, did you start that my, game? I did not. As a matter of fact, I, I, I think wow. I got in maybe 12 minutes 
to go in the first half. And then I go off for like 14 in the first half. And um, I don't think Coach Smith put me back in the second half until like maybe 12 minutes. Like, so I not only did I not start, I didn't play a lot, um, but had just one of those zone in the zone games. And um, I cannot tell you how good it felt. It just to be in that place where, where Grady was the other night for Kentucky, right? Mm-hmm. Where he is just, and to watch that happen, of a kid just know that, you know, look, I'm coming off the screen and throw up a hook shot, three play, it's going in. I mean, I just know it's going in. You start to feel that, and it, it, it starts, they start dropping. So I went, I thought I hit eight three pointers uh, against Florida, um, and um, uh, wound up with 31 points, which was my highest ever in high school or college. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I, my highest in high school was 25. I was a team player. I like to dish the ball around, get some rebounds, that kind of thing. But I wasn't able to pass dribble or do anything. I didn't shoot when I got to UK. Um, so um, 31 and a loss. So now post game we're with the media, and I, I've got a dilemma because I'm actually internally pretty pretty psyched about my game. Yeah, of course. But you can't be excited with the media. But yeah, you got to be sullen. And so I sat there and I said the right things. Um, everybody's asking me about my, you know, going off and dropping 31. I'm like, guys, this, I would rather have had, this is my direct quote. I would rather have had my usual five, six points in a win than 31 in a loss. I love you. And it was a lie that it, it really of course. was. A lie. Yeah. I mean, I just give me, can I have one? Why can I have one 31 point game? Just give me one in my four year career. You get 98 tournament. I, I didn't know this. I knew three, I knew four of the six. Do you know the six teams you played? Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see. We started off with um, – ooh, first one may be tough. Um, That's the one I didn't get. You were 96 or 98? 98. 98. Okay. I think we started off with um, – I want to say like Cleveland State or something. South Carolina State. South Carolina State. That's right. Okay. And then we went to St. Louis. Yes. Now, you know, we played St. Louis. Um, and then uh, UCLA and then ooh. Duke and then uh, Stanford and then um, Utah. You told me the story before, but I love it because I've had three other guests on, and we talked about the championship rings, losing the rings. Tell me about the 98 ring because now this is the one. Now, you, you, you yep. commented that you got a ring in 96, yes. which you, you let me wear. No. Yes. And it was awesome. 97, you guys got a ring for the whatever. You sh- yes. You shouldn't have got the ring. And I agree. 98, this is your ring. You contributed to this team. You had the play. What happens to the ring afterwards? How did this whole thing happen? So they give you – the NCAA gives you a ring for going to the Final Four. Everyone gets one. The champion gets a gold one and says champion. Um, the other three teams get just Final Four. I don't know – I can't imagine a player out there who's wearing a Final Four ring. No. Um, and I've got mine there somewhere in the house, but I couldn't tell you where. Um, so in 98 um, – so the reason I bring up the NCAA rings is that your coach or your school – is permitted now again think about the ncaa they've got rules for everything um they will allow the university to pay uh, i think it was up to like 300 and something dollars for an actual ring like a super bowl looking championship ring because the this, the ring the ncaa gives you is about as it, it doesn't draw the eye i mean it is just a big hunk of metal there's nothing special about it other than what it was for um, but Tubby got us the rings, and they're big and they're gaudy, and um, I never wore mine. And um, usually mine was – I would use it when I would speak a lot of times. Um, and then when I didn't – when I wasn't speaking, um, it was – I'd typically keep it in like a tray in my bed, bedroom with my wallet and keys, watches, that kind of thing. And um, I'm living with my brother at the time, and I remember thinking he's selling his house, so we've got to, we're vacating the house for a few hours for an open house. And so I got my room all straight, and then I remember thinking my ring had been in my car for a few days because I've been traveling. Get it out. Let's, that's not a safe place for it. Let's put it in the house where you're getting ready to have strangers come in. And um, so I take it up, and I put it right in that tray. And we go away. We come back three or four hours later, and I, as I'm walking in the house, I, I literally think I might want to go up there and check and see if that ring is still there. Oh, wow. I just had this weird – it wasn't even a fear. It was just thought that what if my ring's still there? And sure enough, I walked upstairs. It was gone. It was the only thing gone. Wow. Um, and so we filed a, poli- a police report and um, kind of thought maybe it'll show up on eBay at some point. 
And, I'm uh, sorry, Cam. Didn't you have a list of the people who came for the open houses? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, okay. we, yeah. We had to get that, so we had the list because everyone who came to the uh, open house over that period of time they had to sign in. So we had a list. When, when they gave it to the police, and they called everyone to interview. They didn't think there was anything with any of them. Um, but it kind of had to be because again, it was the only thing that was gone. Yeah. Um, but bottom line is, they didn't find it. Um, and so I had the I had the option I could go back to Jocelyn's and spend my own money now to replace it. And I wasn't going to do that. Um, but I, I, it, as much as I talk all the time about how this ring isn't what I wanted it to be, because it's not as important as what is the most important thing in my life, which at one point I thought it would be. Um, so now how can I just try spending $350 to replace something that I always talk about not being okay. Um, but I missed it. I, I mean, you don't want to not have your ring. It took a lot of hard work to get there, especially as you point out the 98 one, which 96 one's nice. I'm just happy to be on that team, but that's all I was is on that team. 98 I contributed. Um, so anyway, long story short, I'm, I'm without my ring for five, six years. And honestly, eventually stopped. didn't think a lot about it until someone asked me. And then the 2012 team happens and they get their rings. And when they get their rings, Anthony Davis um, in particular tweeted a picture of it. And in the comments below on Twitter, um, somebody uh, added me, or I retweeted Anthony, and then my comments below uh, and below my tweet, somebody said, "Where do you have your ring?" So they send a, uh, a tweet a picture of your ring. And so I actually went through a couple of tweets because that's back when uh, my 140 characters. On okay. Back in the day, so that's the, the most kids these days they don't understand the limitations we were under. The struggle. Um, yeah, it took a couple of tweets to get the story out there. But I just kind of said, look, lost it. It got stolen. haven't had it. But, and all of a sudden, over the next 12 hours, I start getting these um, messages on Twitter uh, from a guy who I don't know and can't really tell. Um, his um, Twitter handle is kind of nondescript. And he says, you need to call me. And it, <laughs> it's kind of sounded like a threat. So I'm like, all right, let's just ignore this clown. Um, but he was persistent. And so I finally – um, followed him and then DM'd him, and um, and so privately he said, "I have your ring." What? I have your ring, and um, and then I guess he wrote it, wrote the story. Apparently, what happened is there's a big uh, pu- uh, city park uh, over here that uh, he and his wife were walking at uh, around. Uh, he said, so they walked around it twice, and he said every time he walked around, there was this one particular place where he noticed something in the ground, kind of buried right up the side of the concrete on the walk path that he said was kind of glimmering. And he didn't think much of it until the second time there it was again. He said the third time, he goes, if I walk around and I see that again, I'm stopping. I'm going to see what it is. And he saw it again, dug it up, and it was a 1998 National Championship ring. Um, the, here's where the story gets – I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I, I believe this guy. I, yeah. I had people telling me uh, – tons of people said, dude, Cameron, that, this guy stole your ring. Um, but I don't think he did. But he had this – he said he had it for like a year at this point. He thought it was a class ring and okay. didn't necessarily know how – I mean he didn't put it with – even though he apparently – I think he followed me on Twitter. He didn't – I guess he didn't look very closely at what the ring was. But he did keep it, and then when he saw that uh, – my response to, um, to that question, a picture of your ring, he got – oh, this is it. He's put it together. So I was in South Carolina, I think. And I called my dad. I said, I need you to do a very odd errand for me. Um, some guy says he has my ring, and um, I'm in South Carolina. But I, want, I, want, I don't want to lose this. You know, I don't want to drop this right now. So dad met him somewhere, and they talked for you. I mean, they handed him the ring right off the bat. So, and I do have it now. It is, it's downstairs. I know exactly where that one is. So, You mentioned now, you know, it's weird now with the money and the rings. How would have Cameron Mills done with name, image, likeness? I think, personally, I think he would have crushed in Lexington. Local kid, good-looking kid. What do you think, truthfully? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I did crush it. I just had to wait till my career was – I had to wait till my eligibility was over. I, I'm still crushing it. I still get to crush it. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I've got a, a, um, a health clinic that uh, I met with yesterday that wants me to do some radio advertising for him. So that doesn't happen without the U.K. And now with, with NIL – these kids can do it while they're playing. What a novel concept that they can use their names, their images, their likenesses to profit from. No, 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 no. These are amateurs, and amateurs we don't do that with. We pay for their school. That's enough. 
That's the thing. If we're paying for their school, then they're not amateurs, are they? We're giving them something for their work. We're just not giving them anything that actually can be gone out. And at the moment, I can buy dinner tonight. I can't do that with the lecture from the three professors today. I Let can me do that with cash. I want the truth of this, and don't lie, really. Right. 25 years ago, that's when, like, you know, 1918, no, 27 years ago, you were, you know, you got to sit in front row at a WWF event. You do this. I've been in Kentucky, and I always love the small town feel of it because you'll see players like you and I would go out, and like, oh, there's so and so. Like you would see yeah. them just walking around, which is in New York, that's wild because you don't see Jeter on the street, you don't see these guys. Do you miss being? Because I go out with you. Oh, hey, Cameron, but they've yeah. seen you so many times. Right. Yeah. Do you, Do you miss like being? I guess hounded a little more back in the day, or no? Oh yeah, yeah. This, it, I don't know if it's. I don't know if it's fair. Yeah, maybe it is. I mean, you do miss it. It's not like something I dwell on. But of course, I, you have those moments where you're like, um, I, I tell you, I'll, I'll tell you exactly when you have it. You have it when um, a kid, you, when you've got, you're somewhere, and the parents, oh, you know, and they want to bring their kid up and ask, you know, go up there, ask that guy for his autograph. And this kid comes up who could care less about anything. I mean, yeah. he's about 10 or 12 years old. Um, my parents asked me to give you this. I mean, they didn't even listen. And, oh, okay. And and so what, what do you want me to do with it? I don't know. Mom, ask me to sign it. So, you know, and that happened so many times um, more recently than back in the day. And so you sit there and you're like, okay, so the parents know. They recognize uh-huh. me. This kid could care less. You know, and then when they do kind of get it, oh, you played at Kentucky. Um, do you know Shea Gilgis Alexander? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, do you know? Do you know uh, these? And I'm like, I, I know of them just like you do. But are you friends with John Wall? Yeah, right. Yeah, that was. I think that was the most common one I got. Um, or it wasn't. Yeah, it was always. Do you know? Do you know LeBron James? So, um, but yeah, yeah, you miss it because it's attention. It, it makes you feel good. It it, it boosts your uh, your ego. And w- what person doesn't like that? Um, Back. But. Back in 96, you famously turned down a full ride, SEC School, Georgia. 94. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. 94, yeah. you go there. There wasn't social media again. Did you get any backlash from the Georgia fans when you went there? Oh, they did. They had no idea who I was. Oh, I mean, really? Well, Georgia, it, as one of the reasons I didn't want to go there. Um, and the real reason was because I wanted to go to Kentucky, and that was, that was it. Um, but Georgia, you don't think of basketball when you think of Georgia. You think of football. Yeah. Um, but they are an SEC school, and so and they were offering me a full ride. And ultimately, I wasn't going to turn down a basketball scholarship at an SEC school. Um, I, again, before social media, before the websites and the recruiting, Georgia fans, it, they they had no idea who I was. So when I turned down the scholarship, Georgia uh, coach Sloniker and Hugh Durham, who were there, they went to their second option. He probably signed. I don't even know who it was. Um, I'm sure I played against him over the next few years, but um, no, there there was none. Um, where I do get some backlash occasionally, though, is that I pretty much committed to Louisville um, because Georgia was recruiting me. They offered, and then Louisville got interested. And so this is a year before my senior year, the summer before my senior year, and it's early signing period. So I take an official visit to Louisville, which I would have never thought I would do. But again, this is a national championship, multinational championship winning B1 school. Um, and Denny Crum is recruiting me. I go to my official visit and have a great time, and it's a D1 school. And so I say yes to them technically before they said, would you like to? And so there's this moment where I'm like, so I'm going to say yes, and uh, it's going to be we're going to be done deal. And they were like, okay, well, you know, they kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit. And then my dad wound up talking to Coach Durham the next day, and basically they had – I was option number two for them at two-guard. Um, and I, if option number one said yes, then I was, there was going to be no scholarship available for me, which in hindsight, I'm awfully glad there wasn't because I would have committed and probably wound up going there. And I do get some slack from UK fans when they hear that, um, when they, when they know that I, I actually was interested in Louisville. Um, and I was, um, not about Kentucky, but was interested. How selfish are you to try to better your career? Like, you know, like that's how selfish are you? I can't. If you think about all the people when you you have a kid who transfers, you got a mm-hmm. kid who um, commits and then decommits, or a big you know the, these guys because they I guess they're come you know they they'll make their announcement how they make their announcement, but then it all goes on, 
and the the fans sometimes and it's every school but they're just brutal to these yeah, kids brutal, i mean you, brutal. you have instant access to them because eventually you learn not to necessarily go down your timeline right don't look don't look at the responses um and they get hundreds and thousands of them so they probably got some awfully good ones in there some very kind ones but those aren't the ones that stick out you keep bringing up your dad your dad played for the famous coach adolf rupp give me one good story your pops told you about kentucky basketball oh um, so dad that he he's not well he is a talker but he's not a talker like you know he didn't share a bunch of stories. As a matter of fact, I can think of maybe two that I was aware of growing up as a kid. I knew he played at Kentucky. I knew he played for Coach Rupp. Um, I, at some point, became very aware that he guarded Pete Maravich every time Kentucky played at LSU during the years he was there. He Did he really? Best, yeah, he was the best defender on UK's team, and he was a guard, so he had to try to shut down Pete Maravich, and which he couldn't do. Um, and I, I, I share it all the time when I speak that, you know, when I introduce my dad, who's with me a lot of times, um, played for coach Rupp and, um, he, uh, held the pistol to 65 points every night. <laughs> Cause that's what it is. So that in 1970, every game, he went off, no one could stop him. But if you go to YouTube, there's actually somebody posted the 1970 Kentucky LSU game at LSU. And, um, Pete went off like 65, and there's my dad, black and white, all over him. And Pete's just raining in three, you know, 35 foot two point jumpers. I mean, and just, I mean, he was he was amazing. So I became aware of that, and then he's told me a couple other stories, but none of them. You just, you grew up in Kentucky. You're you're an oddball, right? Because you you got you picked us mm. because um, because of your obstinance and your um, uh, because you just want to be different from your friends. So. Um, but you grew up around this, and uh, I know your kids will grow up around this, but uh, you grew up around this, and just, it's basketball, and it's Kentucky basketball. And then you've got some oddballs over a little ways from here, then it's Louisville basketball. But the whole state is Kentucky, and it's, it's, it's just it's, it's the biggest thing here. It's what everyone is into, and it's what you said earlier about uh, Kentucky girls. They're actually fans. Um, they, they're, they, everybody, I mean, again, everything kind of stops on game night. Um, everyone rearranges their schedules, and you start hearing the stories of the people. You watch the game the other day, well, I couldn't be in the room. When I was in the room, we, we would go on, you know, the other team would go on, on runs. I, I had to leave the room. When I went to the bathroom and stood with, you know, one, one arm up, one leg up, that's when we went on our runs. You do that all the time. Um, but um, it, it's just, when you're around it that much, it's just, I, I don't know. It just kind of gets in your blood. And the, the fun thing was to be a part of it with growing up with around my parents um, and, and my father in particular, and then becoming a fan and looking up to Rex Chapman and Ed Davender. And, um, you know, even before they got in trouble and dismantled that, uh, I guess it was the 88, 89 team, um, which was going to be really, really good. Um, they become your heroes and they become, because you want to be in their shoes and then you get to be in their shoes Um and I think that may be one of the reasons that I don't go crazy. You know, I don't – I've got to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I think if I hadn't played at UK, I, I might be a little more like you and my fandom. But I got to play there, and so it's like, okay, um, i got to be a part of some special games. i got to be on the other side of the wall and see what it's like here and get to play. And Okay, I'm done with that now. And I'm not done done. But um, it's just – it doesn't – it doesn't consume me the way it, it does so many other fans. And they just – everything kind of stops for UK basketball. I'm going to give you a comparison. It does not compare, but I want to give it to you. So I'm every sport I love. I love the Giants, football Giants. My good friend Chris Canty played for them, and when they went to the Super Bowl, he gave me a Super Bowl ticket. I watched him win the Super Bowl. Afterwards, he hands me a bracelet, and I partied with every Giant after the Super Bowl. And when I mean Eli was there, Keem Hicks was there when they beat the Patriots. And it yeah. was – I drank and partied and ate caviar and lobster and took pictures with every Giant until 5 in the morning. I'm sure you did. You know, and then Cam, the next season came, and I'm like, not that I don't care anymore, but people are like, bro, you don't love them. I go, how can I compete with watching my friend win a title and drink with them? Like, I can never recapture that moment. But listen, you kind of tore down the third wall with you not being the biggest fan anymore. You do, you are. I am a fan. I love them. But my 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 day, my days and my weeks does they don't re- revolve around the season. You know, everyone gets geared up for the season and start they'll start talking about the next one when this one ends. And eh, there's other things that I'm interested in. 
I like, and I want to bring it up, documentaries. You do two documentaries, the 96 team, the 98 team. They were awesomely done with Dick Gabriel. Do you have any interest in doing any other documentaries? Because you're into other stuff. You're into like history and science. You're into everything else. Anything else? Maybe like a pet project? So, there, yes. Um, the problem is I think the good news is I was able to use um, my personal connection, Dick's personal connection um, and talent um, to – I had access to a lot of stuff I, I needed to tell those stories. Um, and um, – but, and so that made it somewhat easier, but it's still awfully hard to do. I mean, these things, you don't, you, you think, uh, you don't, when you watch a documentary, you don't realize all the, everything that had to be done to get this piece of footage and why it was put here and not here and um, why the music score and it's, you know, documentaries sometimes are scored. Um, and why, why this song, you know, even Susan pointed out the other night, we're watching something, a documentary, and she said, you know, music makes an awfully big difference. And it did, because when we watched the 98 documentary that had been um, edited together, but the music hadn't been put in yet, it was good. It wasn't special. It wasn't, the music it, makes it, it special. You didn't, it didn't move you. We put the music in, and we fiddled with it for a couple of days, and when we kind of watched this final draft, we, we got all teared, we teared up at first. You get, you know, the... The, the hair stand up just because the music's there. So um, there are a couple of ideas that we've shot around. Um, we, we've done three documentaries. You mentioned two. We did the Reg, Reggie Warford one okay. two years ago. About, and Reggie Warford was the first um, uh, Kentucky basketball player that was an African-American who graduated. So there was um, an earlier, three or four years earlier, a guy by the name of um, uh, Payne who had um, played for a year and then gone uh, – and to the NBA, I think um, he was the first African American to play. So we did a story about Reggie because that was a big deal. And then there's been some other ideas, doing one on Mr. Kiley, but that's still Kentucky related, right? Um, I've got a couple friends who um, uh, struggle with um, uh, bipolar disorder, and so they they've actually both come to me and said, you know, would you be interested in doing like a, just a mental health one? Wow, you know, kind of the state of people's attitudes towards mental health, which I, I think I think we're slowly as a society starting to figure that out. Like, you know, that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to admit that I'm, just, I, I'm feeling nervous today. I'm feeling anxious today. I'm feeling I've been in depression or, you know, it's okay to talk about those things and go see someone because what, 20, 30 years ago, you wouldn't tell anybody you were seeing a psychiatrist or a psychologist. And today it's actually kind of getting to the point where it may, it may even make you a little more popular. Mm -hmm. Um, um, publicly, if you say that, oh yeah, that's what I do. So, um, and that's kind of the, what, the story they wanted to tackle because they had both in being diagnosed with uh, bipolar. You know, they were facing, um, I guess, ignorance from a lot of people who don't know what bipolar is, and then a lot of stuff just the, the state of the idea of mental health in America. So, and we thought about that, and maybe that was that's probably too big of something for what I do. And what uh, we would do, but there's there's always. I don't think I'm done. Um, I but I don't have anything that's burning a burning something in my heart right now. That I'm like, oh, we've got to do this story next. Two other quick questions, and then we'll finish up. It's already 55 minutes. I wanted to talk about the '96 reunion, so much stuff. The current state of Kentucky basketball. We're gonna do that another time. Okay. Reed Shepard. I think you're friends with his dad. I, I'm not sure if you know his dad. Yeah. Uh, how intense was that recruiting thing? Because on Twitter, it was like every day it was Reed Shepard. I remember the day he was going to commit, like he was trending. Like it, it was nuts where yeah. these Kentucky fans are. Yeah. How much pressure was that kid on there? And are you uh, surprised he chose Kentucky? No, I'm not surprised at all. Um, so Jeff and I had talked a lot. Um, COVID actually did a lot for Reed because school was out during the school year. And Reed, uh, there were guys that been, they'd already spent, they were friends of his ball players who had spent a year in college basketball already. And when you make that leap to high school to college, doesn't matter what level, you make the leap to high school to college, all of a sudden you get to college and you're like, oh, this is what hard work looks like. Oh, practice is three and a half hours, not an hour and a half. You know, um, it's like, and that, that's why I always laugh at the concept of student athlete because you, the, everyone around you on your team, the coaches, the, the, the support staff, they don't – occasionally your GPA comes up. Um, but what really comes up every day and every practice is shooting percentage. Um, are you giving it all on practice? Or do we have this down? Do we have this down? I was thinking the other day, if they're really student athletes, 
it seems to me like there would be more firings every year because of uh, graduation rates and GPA rates. I don't believe that's ever happened in the history of the NCAA. I don't think there's ever been a basketball or football coach get fired because they weren't getting it done in the classroom uh, for their kids. Um, but it, it's one of those things, right? And I, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked because it's done that story. But um, what, what, remind me what you asked, Mike. My bad. Oh, Reed. Yeah. So, um, Shep and I have been talking. Reed gets with a co- two guys in college who came back to London, and all of a sudden he's working out with them every day. So he, 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 and he sees them working. He sees how hard they're working in these individual instructions that they're just making themselves go through. And Shep said that Reed just, I mean, all of a sudden he just, and he was already very, very good, but now he's working like a Division One college basketball player as a freshman in high school. And he just he got amazingly better. He had the DNA and the genes. Um, and then he's grown some, and um, I, so you watch him play, and you think his dad is a graduate and uh, former player at UK. His mom is a graduate former player at UK. He grew up in Kentucky. Um, he's definitely a Division One player. He's getting offers from every Division One school. Yeah, he just he, I couldn't imagine him going somewhere else. What I did know is that. Virginia was very high on his list, and if he hadn't gone to Kentucky, I think he would have gone to Virginia. Um, but the big thing about – that you mentioned the Twitter, the craziness, a lot of it was for whatever reason, and we don't have to go into details of it now, but for whatever reason, there were a lot of U.K. fans who think and thought that Jeff Shepard and Coach Calipari mm-hmm. hated each other. didn't get along. And you fueled that fire, Cam, with your little sarcastic tweet that people went crazy about. I didn't fuel that fire. That fire had actually died down because um, it's – 10, 15 years old, um, it, it comes from silliness and uh, misunderstanding and, and just bad information. But people hear something, and so they're like, oh, yeah, no, Cal hates Shep. Shep hates Cal. Reed will never play Kentucky. And then, so I get permission, so we're, a few months ago, right before um, when it, you know, Reed's getting recruited by everybody, I asked Jeff, I'm like, look, I, here's what, I want to tweet this today because I know UK is going to offer. Now, I didn't know that for real, but I just <laughs> – of course, of course. you have the to kid that can play there. Um, and I also knew that, number one, Jeff isn't going to if even if he had a problem with Cal, he's going to stand in the way of his kid going to Kentucky. That's his school. Um, and even more importantly, Jeff and Stacy, they're not going to I mean, they're not going to make that decision for Reed. That, that's Reed's decision where he wants to go. He, they'll be a part of it. But um, so, anyway, so I wrote this tweet. Um, and Chef is famously, he hates social media. He's not on any social media. Okay. So I sent him this text. I'm like, is this accurate, what I've written? And he said, yeah, that's, I mean, I basically made a statement about Jeff. He said, yeah, that's, that's, that's true. I'm like, okay, can I tweet this right now? And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. He said, why? And I'm like, I'm tired of hearing from people who don't know what they're talking about that you and Cal hate each other. I'm pretty sure that's not true. He said, no, we don't hate each other. He goes, we don't know each other very well, but no. I, I, would you let Reed go to UK if he got an offer there? To has he got an offer? Absolutely, I'd let him. I mean, and so I'm like, okay, there's this perception out there, Chef, that you, you would never let Reed go to UK. I'm tired of hearing it, and I know you're not going to address it on social media because you, you don't know how most of it works. So yeah. Can I just say this? So he let me, and maybe it fanned the flame, but it was accurate. So of, of what, seven years or six years of doing radio, this was the only um, journalism I ever did. Like, here, here's, <laughs> here's a quote, um, here's something true, and um, it, what was fun was watching, you know, Kentucky watch, they finally watch replay, um, and I mean, after Cal, I think Cal watched him play in person one time, and within a few hours or maybe the next day, the offer came. And um, Reed sat on it for a few weeks, and of course, then the UK fans go crazy. Of course. What's to think about? Well, a lot. And um, but I, I was pretty sure. And well, I, I was proud of myself because I so desperately wanted to call Chef and say, "Where's he going?" Yeah, give, give, he, give, give me the hint. Come on. on, I won't tell anybody. I promise. Where's he going? Um, we had a couple close conversations, but because I wanted a bad drink so bad about it, because I wanted to know, because I was so desperate, I, I so much wanted Reed to, to go there. But long story short, he made his announcement, and I was so thrilled. And he's a. I mean, you talk about nil. He's already got two huge oh, yeah, yeah. egos. <clears throat> I, I think he might actually make more. Um, <laughs> he might, because I guess his NIL deals have started. They'll probably make more than I do. I will. Uh, just basic income. 
this coming year. He'll probably make more than I will as a as a um, I guess an incoming senior in high school. And that's how it should be because it's his name, image, and likeness that's worth something down here right now. We've been podcasting one hour. I have so much more stuff. We'll do that next time when you come to New York. You ready, you ready to finish up with some quick hit questions so you can go with yes. sleigh riding? Yes. You and I are at Legends or Jack Dempsey's bar here in New York City. Coolest yep. person in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you back, Cameron Mills. If I text them, uh, Frank Vogel. That's a great answer. That, I, that, uh, everyone in my, in my, uh, in my cell phone, um, that's the one I'm most proud of. And because I'm just most proud of him. Um, he and I were uh, teammates at UK on the JV team and then roommates for a year and a half. And um, I, I just I, I love the story of what he's done. He came to Kentucky to learn to be a coach because that's all he wanted to do. And now he's at the highest level. That, that is – didn't Masiello do the same thing when he came on my podcast? He went there to be a coach also. Yeah. No, because he, he came as a walk-on. Um, and he, he was um, – that's the, so many of the guys. Scott's coaching. Allen's coaching. Um, Mark Pope's coaching. Uh, Anthony Epps is coaching, and you spend some time under Coach Patino, and then for some of us, Coach Smith, and you're like, "Oh, this is how this is how you do it. This is what it actually takes to coach. It's not just yelling at kids on a on a game day." Do you still have the old OJ Ford Bronco? No. Sold it. Um, I had to. Property tax came due a oh. couple of years ago, <laughs> and um, I had to. Um, I was like, "All right, well, I got to come up with some cash here to pay this, so I don't have any penalties." I'm like. That's about what that's probably worth. Actually, in my head, it was worth millions of dollars. Of course it was. But um, I think uh, Blue Book said it was worth about what I owed in taxes. Okay. So I put it on the market, and it sold. And I, I don't regret that I sold it because I needed to, but I regret that I don't have it anymore. Um, as soon as we get on the other side of COVID and um, uh, Susan and I get done uh, paying off a roof over here, I'm hoping she'll give me permission to order one of the new ones. Um, I, I did put my $100 in last year as I got in line, but um, – just, just waiting on, on her to, to give me permission right now because I think I'd rather have a good old one, but I like the new ones too. You're not a memorabilia guy, but the coolest piece of memorabilia that Cameron Mills owns is – any autographs? Do you have any autographs or anything? No. I, yeah, I mean I do. Um, most of them are teammates of mine. Yeah. They're just on you know, uh, pictures that are, that are hanging here and there. Dang, that's a hard because I know I've got I, I've got thought about before like something that's probably what I'm most proud of having. You know what? I've I, I got a picture of um, when we won '98. We went to the White House, and I've got a picture that was um, I think an AP photographer took it, and then therefore it was on the AP wire, um, and appeared in the Herald Leader in town. But it was me at the at the podium at the White House um, speaking on behalf of the team. Wow. To to President Clinton. And all day, and I knew they, okay, Cameron, we want you to, you know, you, you're going to go out and you're going to basically give coach, you, Chef's going to hand uh, President Clinton the jerseys. You're going to say, you know, you're gonna, whatever you want to say. Of course, it wasn't whatever I wanted to say. Um, but because uh, I thought about it, I sweated all day. I was like, all right, do I want to try to be funny? Am I, and do I want to throw some jokes in here or what I think is funny? Because if I throw some jokes in here and they bomb, they Oof. bomb the yellow room <clears> in the White House. And, um, and there was probably 500 people in that little room. And so I, I, was, I mean, I went back and forth. I, all right, now let's just get there, be succinct, be clear, um, be straight. <laughs> don't try don't go for the last. And then we got there and I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to have this chance again. If I bomb, I bomb. And, um, I, so I had two little things I had written. This is my material, my, 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 my hard two minutes. And, um, I forget exactly what they were, but bottom line, both of them got a big laugh from the, the crowd. But more importantly to me, President Clinton was double backed in laughter, and the AP photographer got it where I'm at the podium with a smug look on my face. Like, I hit it, right? And President Clinton's in a suit, and he's standing behind me, and he's just, he's, ah, oh, like that's that. great. And I've got a, a great picture of it. And um, that's probably the thing I, that's probably the thing I, I think is the coolest thing that I have. Is that, is that, you, that, 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 that photograph? Who would you rather beat more in the championship game of the NCAA tournament, Duke, uh, Duke or Louisville? Mm, Louisville, I think. Duke, Duke isn't our rival. Mm -hmm. Duke is North Carolina's rival. Our okay. rival is Louisville. Okay. So I think um, I had Louisville fans come up and want to tell me that they beat us in '98. It's true. We went on and got the ring. You yeah. all wound up 14 and 20. He said, yeah, but we beat you. 
Like, I, yeah, I get it, but we're national champions. He goes, right, but we beat you. I mean, they're living and dying on that. So um, there's something. There's Obviously, we don't like Duke here either, but yeah, Louisville, I think Louisville. I, here's an easy answer. Just, I don't care. Win a title. We can beat Furman in the national championship game. We'll just win the national championship game. You had a great radio show. You like interviewing people. Give me your dream interview. One guest you wish you could sit down across from and just interview for one hour. Gracious. I hate it when you do this. You say you say like quick hits and yet well they are but you make them longer. Yeah, it's one answer. Take, but they, I know, but they take they, they can't be quick hits because they require more thought than I'm used to. Um, oh, Jordan Peterson. Okay, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. If Cameron Mills could have witnessed one sporting event live, it would be what? Sporting event live. In the history of sports, you could have been third row at what game? Yeah. I would say because I, I think this I've, I've been told it's one of the most amazing things and I appreciate it just watching it too but I love the World Cup so okay World Cup finals um in <clears> like <throat> I don't know in in uh Paris okay do so you I have know, an, I don't know when they've been there when they're going there but yeah do you have enough juice that I can shoot and score a basket at Rupp uh yeah Oh, wait a minute. Are you asking me yeah. if I can get you into rep to shoot a basket? That's right. Do I have enough power to pull that off? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Okay, here we go. We're going to finish up now. We both love Seinfeld. I got you into a UK practice. Yeah, I introduced you to Coach Cal. Rep I know, Cal. after that. Are you ready? We're going to finish with Seinfeld trivia. What's the name of the coffee shop? I'll take the real name or the fake name that they always go to. Oh, gosh. Um... See, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna disappoint you massively on this quiz. Um, it's just it's such an easy name. I'm gonna say Frank's. I know it's not Frank's. No, Tom, Joe's. Tom's oh, is the real name. Tom's Monks is the one. Monks is the name of the show. That's right. God, I forgot about that. Tom's is the one that's actually there. Yes. Okay, what right. What phrase does Frank Costanza say out loud every time his blood pressure rises? Serenity now. Serenity now. When viewing an operation, what type of candy did Kramer and Jerry drop into the body? Oh, Gigi Fruits. Junior Mints. Junior Mints. Oh, Gigi Fruits was Elaine's thing. That's right. Yes. And the last question. This is a tough one. Who was deported back to Pakistan? He also had a restaurant. Yes. That's an easy one. Cameron Mills, listen, I wish we could have done this for another hour. Next time you come here, we're going to talk talk about my potential move to Kentucky, your plans in New York City. The 96 reunion, how you have to get me a guest. We have so much more to talk about, but I love you yeah. so much, my friend. Love you too, man. May, uh, May 20th, we'll be up there. I already have plans to make sure I'm not away, and I cannot wait to see you, brother. All right, man. Love Cameron, you. I love you. Thank you for doing this, man. All right. Yeah, bye. Bye-bye. All right, so...